Welcome back to the Show Me Show podcast. Um, me and Cam are finally back after a two-week hiatus. Um, a bit of an Easter break there. Hopefully, y'all had a great Easter. Um, on today's show, we got a lot of stuff. We're starting off with two-week recap of Cardinals baseball and what to expect down the line. Then we got the NBA playoffs have started this week, and you know the playing tournament was last week, so we got that going on. And then we got a few other headlines that we're going to talk about, and then our normal segments and our first ever listeners FAQs to, to end the show. So we got a few uh, few questions sent in by the listeners. So uh, we're very excited to talk about those. And uh, without any more waiting, let's get into the show. Newhouse with my co-host, and uh, I think we're going to start the show here with some Cardinals talk. So, you know, obviously the the first two weeks of the regular season have gotten underway since we've last had our podcast. Uh, I think the last time we were we were watching the Masters and uh, and the Pirates first Cardinals, which was the first opening weekend. So, yeah, um, that's when we guaranteed a Scotty Scheffler victory. Yes. First reported on Show Me Show that Scotty Scheffler was a Masters champion. Yep. Um, I think he was about on the 13th hole when we declared him the champion. So you're welcome. Yeah, yeah man of the people, he, he won. Um, but as far as the Cardinals, they are currently sitting at nine and four. They're about to be nine and five after today because they can't hit to save their lives. And, but it's been a good two weeks. Um, so I'm going to start off with the first week, which would be April. 13th through 17th, something like that. Maybe 11th through 17th, something like that. I don't remember the exact dates, but that week, um, the Cardinals beat Kansas City in a one-game series. You don't see that very often, but it was supposed to be a two-game series, but the second game got rained out. Um, they beat them 6-5, to five, good win there. Um, and they split the weekend series with Milwaukee, and that was an important series because, as we all know, Cardinals and Brewers fight for the division. Um, but we do get a split in Milwaukee, so nothing you can complain about, you know, beat up on some of their good pitching. Um, one win was absolutely dominant. The other was very close. Um, one takeaway from that week was pitching is a clear concern. Michaelis and Matts had very good outings that week, and they actually had good outings again this week too. Um, but can they keep that up? Um, Albert Pools actually looks like an asset to the team right now, smashing two home runs, walking multiple times throughout the first couple weeks of the season. Um, he's now 19 home runs away from the big 700. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Arenado's playing like MVP so far. Yeah. MLB, uh, MLB.com released for the first time ever hitter power rankings, which is actually interesting because usually it's just like the team power rankings. But this is something that I think will, you know, help to grow the game and help people, you know, to get involved with the top stars of the game. This is going to help promote their stars. Arenado was number one on that list. Um, and then Tommy Edmonds started off hot, but, uh, you know, that I wrote that last week. So <laughs> you yeah. can kind of see what happened there. Um, <laughs> and then also last week I wrote that the Cardinals play both Miami and Cincinnati on the road. So hopefully a lot of wins will be picked up. And so far we got four. And it doesn't look like we're going to get a fifth, but four out of six is still 
good against, um, you know, on the road. That's a successful road trip. Um, I also I wrote, although I can see a slump against the Marlins as their pitchers are really good. And that is true because they, you know, we beat up on Jesus Lazardo, baby Jesus, uh, first game of the series. But after that, they're starting pitching, shut us down. We were lucky to sneak out of there with an extra win, you know, with the ninth inning home run with Arenado. Luck ran out in the final game, though. Pablo Lopez shut us down. And then this weekend, we played the Reds. Beat them up pretty good the first two games. Um, but they are the Reds. They're on an 11-game winning streak right now. But it looks like they're going to snap it today. They're up 4-1. to one. Losing streak. Yes. Did I say winning streak? Yeah. Oh, the Reds, I don't think have ever been on an 11-game winning streak in their entire franchise. Well, this, be, this will be, what, 3-12 and 12 for them? They are 2-13. and 13. So if oh, they okay. win this, which it looks like they will, be three and thirteen. Okay, eleven game losing streak. Not things are not looking good in Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's really possible for them to have two successful sports franchises coinciding with each other at the same time. Uh, I think it's they're fine with trading in some Bengals success for some Red success. I think they'd probably do that. Oh yeah. 100 times over because the Bengals, you know, hadn't won a playoff game and since we were alive. So, you know, that's just how it is sometimes. I mean, just look at the city of Pittsburgh. I mean, Steelers haven't won a playoff game in five years. Pittsburgh Pirates suck. Penguins are still good, though. Well, maybe. They're back in the playoffs this year, but I think they're the three seed, so in their division. Not not in the conference, in their division. You yeah. know, it's it's pretty special when all teams can be good. Yeah, hitting on all cylinders. You know, Georgia, the state of Georgia as a whole had a really great right year. Um, you know, except for the Falcons, Bulldogs won the Natty, uh, and then the Braves obviously lifted the curse of the Olympics. So that was good for them. And even the uh, the Hawks went to a Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, which is something they hadn't known in a long time. Yeah. So, you know, obviously the Falcons are going to Falcon, but it's still a successful season for the Georgia fans. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we couldn't get a sweep here in Cincinnati because this team sucks. They're even worse than the Pirates this year, even though, even though the Pirates just lost twenty-one to nothing yesterday to the Cubs. Bears. So, true. Yeah. yeah. Twenty-one nothing. Bears shut out the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, football is already back. That was that's a story. That could have been a tough scene of the week, but I did think that was something to mention. But yes, for the Cardinals, pitching is a clear concern. Wainwright went five innings today, gave up four earned runs. He's supposed to be our ace. You know, I'm not going to hate on Wainwright because I love him, but he's 40 years old and he's our ace, <laughs> and he's not Randy Johnson or Nolan Ryan. He's not an all-time great like those guys. So that's definitely a concern if you're the front office. Uh, Frankie Montes is available. John Mozeliak, if uh, you maybe want to go after him. But Steven Matz looks good. Uh, upcoming look to, you know, to the upcoming week for the Cardinals. We got three-game series with the Mets at Bush. So the Mets have the best record in the National League right now, I think. It's either them or the Dodgers. But they were the first team to 10 wins in the entire MLB. So – they're hot. They're pitching. It seems like everything's clicking right now. They're playing small ball. They have the most bunts in the entire MLB. Buck show Walter ball. Who? Huh? Who is the most bunts? The Mets. 
not something you'd expect from a New York team, but maybe that's what they needed is a change of culture there. The Fleming curse. Uh, like the Flushing curse. That's where they play. Literally a town that's based, that's named off of something a toilet does. Um, and then we play the Diamondbacks in a four-game series. So really tough opponent to start off the week and then a really bad opponent to end the week. Um, the Arenado bobblehead is giveaways on Saturday. So they're, it just popped up on the bottom of the screen. They're too. promoting the shit out of that. I well, it's good. He's the best player on the team, and it's I know well, I know that. But it was interesting um, when I had to like drive back and forth for my uh, wisdom teeth. Like I went to like for a checkup after, and I was there was like multiple billboards that the Cardinals had bought out. Just for the bobblehead giveaway. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This thing is all over the place. It's like a, what is it? Is it like, it's him and his dog. That's the bobblehead, right? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Pretty sure it's, they said it's him and his pooch. His oh. dog, so. I think it would have been cooler if it was just him, but. Yeah. Well, I hope they're trying to get fans out to the ballpark. We'll have more than one, hopefully, as long as he stays here. I'm just looking at right now. There's no way there's that many Reds fans in the stadium today. Like, they actually look kind of packed. Well, that's your fault if you think that looks packed. It doesn't. In this shot, it does. And maybe if we get a full stadium Yeah, because I'm sure most people are probably just moving down. Yeah. And it's. I'm sure those seats aren't that expensive. (laughs) Probably not. I could probably buy them. I mean, they're still expensive. It's like going to a courtside ticket to, you know, a Pacers game. They're not expensive compared to, like, the Lakers, but they're still quite pricey. Um, also the weekend. This is a weekend game, so you'd hope that you'd have a little bit more mm-hmm. fans. And it's against the Cardinals, so probably a lot of those fans travel like I did a few oh, years ago. Oh, there's a lot of Ohio uh, Cardinals fans. Mm-hmm. Indiana, Kentucky, that yeah, area. I was just about to say, like, Arkansas, Kentucky, Indiana, those states kind of can just drive. Iowa, too, actually. Yeah. Um, Iowa. Iowa. Iowa's a little farther. Kentucky's like right there next to Cincinnati, yeah. though. It's interesting uh, at the Lake of the Ozarks. Like, you'll have, because a bunch of people like will hang flags for like their sports teams. This is a huge rec- recreational lake if you have no idea what we're talking about. But anyway, it's just like this. You know, you'll have, like, their Iowa State flag, and then right next to it, their Cardinals flag. You know, or, like, um, a Nebraska flag, and then right next to it, their Cardinals flag. So, it's just, like, always cool to see, like, how fans, like, pull for the Cardinals from so far away. Yeah. There's a lot of surrounding states that you don't really think of that that there's a lot of Cardinals fans in. Um, There's a lot going on in the MLB, though, but, yeah. Not not much worthy of talking about. I got a lot of stuff written down for segments with the MLB, so we can get to that. Oh, um, I was it was interesting. Uh, had my grand my grandpa came over yesterday. Um, he's watched more baseball, you know, than just about anybody. It seems like, and we were talking about their pitching staff, and you know, and I just think it's really going to depend on how well Matt's does, you know, at the end of the day. And because, you know, like Flaherty, great when he's not hurt and is, you know, hey, you can say this for anybody, obviously, when he's consistent, you know, you know, once he's healthy and can get in a rhythm, he's awesome. Um, But, 
you know, Matt's was that addition during the off season and we just need him to have quality starts. And um, if we can have that, then I don't think it'll be as big of an issue as we think it might be, but. Well, yeah, I think we Mike need... is a huge one too, which he's, yeah. he's looked really good in his last two starts. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, he had a hell of a season. Heck, it's probably been what three or four years now that yeah, I say all star, but which is crazy to think about. It's been that long, but you know, if he can be have a great year too, I mean, then we're really not going to be in trouble. We'll be doing fine. So, yeah, um, that's about all I have for. For the uh, the Cardinals, the offense looks good. Tyler O'Neill's been a little slow. The start. He hasn't hit a home run since the opening day. Um, yeah. Um, it yeah. is what it is. I mean, I got a f- you know, a few MLB things, you know, just to, real quick. You know, it's nice to see plenty of fan fights again. We were talked about this a few weeks ago, but there was a grand one uh, in the bleachers of Wrigley Field. Beautiful. You know, apparently there's a an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to fight in the bleachers. That's like the one place you're not supposed to fight at Wrigley Field. It's a sacred place. But uh, they went ahead and did it, and I I condone it, but apparently a lot of people don't, Uh, Cubs fans. Um, Also, Yankees fans were showing their true colors yesterday. I had that for a tough scene, but I also have like four or five different tough scenes. Also known as maybe earning their pinstripes, but no, not classy. Uh, Yeah. Instripes are for the New Yorkers only, not for the Yankees slash Lakers slash Cowboys <laughs> fans. But yeah, um, they were like throwing shit on the field. Uh, at Miles Straw, was it? Uh, a Miles Straw and uh, Oscar Mercado. Yeah, just guys out in the outfield. I it was a talking shit. Well, it was the tie. It was a tie game, four to four. There was a guy on second for the Yankees, and a dude hit a double in the gap to win the game in the bottom of the ninth. And so the outfielders were kind of just peeling off because they knew that the game was over. There's nothing they could do. And I guess it was trash or something. Yeah. That's what it appeared to be. It was just like balled up trash. And they were throwing it at the players. And Miles Straw actually climbed the wall to like Mm -hmm. scream at the Yankees players. That was amazing. They had to pull him down and get him under control. Yankees players kind of pulled like a Donald Trump, like, when he went to calm down the riots on January 26th, he's like, just please stop, go home. You know, the Yankees <laughs> players are just like, please stop, you know, go home. We love you, you know, yeah. like, go home. But, you know, Good was, people on like, both sides. <laughs> the Yankees <laughs> players didn't really care. They were just trying to have some peace, I think. But they might have cared. I don't know. That might be wrong of me to assume that. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yankees, Yankees fans in the bleachers. Uh, some of them didn't even know what was going on. I feel like it was just a few fans that were doing it. Yeah. But as Miles Straw said, classless. The worst yeah. fan base in baseball. That's what, I, that, was, that was awesome that he said that. That just starts all kinds of stuff that the game needs. Yes. Well, yes. I definitely. Uh, but it's not all Yankees fans that are like that. There, there are a ton of no, Yankees of fans, not. thousands upon thousands, and a lot of them just like the game of baseball. Unfortunately, those guys that you know are true baseball guys and and don't approve of that, they're going to get lumped in with these guys, these idiots that are you know throwing stuff on the field. So, you know, that's an unfortunate occurrence. But that happens with Boston fans. That happens with Philly fans. So, welcome to the club, Yankees fans. 
Yeah. That's all I got on that. Same. I didn't have that much on that, but I just wanted to bring some of that up. Yeah. Very that. tough scene. It, yeah, I, obviously, I said I had it now for my tough scene. So that is it. All right. Uh, well, another thing. I think another big thing we're going to talk about. NBA playoffs, the only yep. playoffs the, the only playoffs going on right now. NHL playoffs are going to start next week, I think. Um, as the last regular season games wrap up on Saturday. But NBA playoffs right now, first round. Um, I've been watching a little bit. This is the most NBA I've watched <laughs> the entire year. I didn't watch any of the playing games, although I was following along with them. Um, I've been following all the series. I've been following them, but I haven't. I've been too lazy to really turn them on. Um, but I do notice that, you know, everyone talks about, oh, I'll tune it in at the end of the game. Because, actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Let's recap the games here first. Okay. Um, before we jump into the playoffs, a little, just I got some stuff on the plans. Um, it was a Tuesday night. Both Pat Beverly and Ant-Man Edwards went off and uh, beat the – Clippers, so the Clippers were, what, they were the eight? Eight seed. Yeah, so they had to play in, uh, it's double illumination if you're the seven or eight seed. And so they had to play the Pelicans, and they lost to the Pelicans, and that was that. Um, Paul George honestly didn't play bad at all, actually, but he might have wasn't enough. He might have avoided the eight nine game though against the Pelicans. He might have purposely taken himself out of that. Game. Oh yeah, he, he had COVID. He self tested himself, which is something no one even thinks to do for a win or go home game. And Paul George just, you know what? Yeah, I really don't want to play tonight. I'm going to test myself for COVID and see if I have it. And he has to have no proof. The only thing he has to have is say, "Hey, I tested myself. I have COVID." They don't have to prove that he had a positive test. So, very interesting storyline there. Is he was he ducking the Pelicans? I mean, I guess if he really wanted to go home, maybe he knew if they had to play the the Suns that it was just no point. But yeah, uh, true. I mean that that play in game there was electric. The crowd was electric. It was. I thought it was stupid. A lot of people were making fun of Minnesota fans for celebrating winning the play in game. Um, well, I, well. I don't mind the fans celebrating, but the players, on the other hand, like Pat Bev, like jumping up on the scores table. No, I. That was, that's fine. He Pat Beverly was electric. He played his heart out. I, I know you didn't watch, but he was jumping on every loose ball, yelling and screaming the whole night, and it paid off because he shut down. Um, he played great on defense and shut down some of their key scores. And he only threw in nine. He's a defensive guy. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's fine. I mean, because they don't – they haven't even been to the playoffs really that much. So, you know, and Pat Beverly was playing against his old team. You got to take that into account yeah, too. Yeah, I know. I under, I want them to be excited. If they're not excited about that, that's, that's non-playable character behavior. But it, to see him like jumping up on the – that's champ. That's when you win a championship. You know, not not win a seven eight in playing game, or you're favored to win the game. Um, also, I can um, see you know how you could be like celebrating with your teammates. You know, like jumping in with each other and stuff. But I don't know. I thought it was really know. Know. as far as the fans though. You know, fans can celebrate how they want. You should celebrate a playoff win. But 
the player side, I think you gotta, you know, you do want to celebrate a little bit, but at the same time, you gotta stay focused. And yeah, but they're not focused right then and there. That is like that's like the only scenario when it's a one game playoff set. It's a playoff one. It's kind of like in the NFL or uh, yeah, the NFL is the only one. Yeah. <laughs> or college or the playoffs or something like, or like that. Like a wild card game for yeah, the MLB. Wild card game. You know, it's one game series. You know, it's one playoff game. And you win and you advance. Um, I just think those mean a little bit more. But, you know, that was also the start of... I was just thinking the, this. Uh, are the protests that have been taking place against Fred Taylor. Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor, my bad. Uh, Fred Taylor. Was the owner of the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, which I... Is he a full owner? Not anymore. So they sold the team to... Uh, Something Lori, I think, oh. and then uh, Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this lady who was wearing a Glenn Taylor roasts animals alive shirt. You can you can buy them online. I I looked it up. They're now online for sale. Uh, ran out onto the court and then tried to glue her hand to the court so that the security guy couldn't kick her off of the court. Um. Her problem was she used Elmer's glue. <laughs> And if you've ever done like a school project, uh, Elmer's glue doesn't exactly work that well. So, yeah. Um, also, you know, we had the Hawks beat the hell out of the Hornets in the 9-10 game. And then they went on to beat the Cavs, who lost to the Nets. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about the Cavs. I kind of predicted that, you know, that the Nets would beat them up in the first game and then... Who was it that beat them? And the next one, the Hawks. Mm-hmm. I predicted the winner of the Hornets, Hawks, which happened to be the Hawks to beat them. I, the Cavs, they just didn't really have the postseason experience. They're a really young team, really scrappy team. Jared Allen was also injured. Yeah. But this was a good building block for them because they're going to come back. They're going to be, you know, they're going to have the postseason experience. So they're going to be hungry. Um, And yeah, that's that. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I wasn't all that sure much of a fan I would be of the playing games and I freaking love them. It's the sing the elimination factor with, you know, single elimination if you're the 9-10 and then even if you win, the sing- like you know, you could just you lose your done. That factor makes those games so freaking intense. It's like having four game sevens to watch before the playoffs even start with those teams and I uh, I think that's super fun. So I I'm pro playing Oh yeah, I I don't mind them. I think it's favored towards the seven and eight seeds as it should be. Yeah, but at the same time, like if you're complaining as a seven and eight seed that you have to play more games, maybe just win more games to get a top six seed. It's not not yeah. that hard, unless you're the Lakers. Um, yeah, but yeah, so we'll jump in here to some of the series real quick. Um, Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. And so it's tied two to two right now, but here's the main thing that we've taken away from this series. The t- Minnesota Timberwolves are three and O in games where a protester of some kind against Glenn Taylor in the roasting animals, chickens alive series has taken place. So we've had glue girl mm-hmm. in the playing game. That was the playing game. Game one, or was it, yeah, game one of the Memphis Timberwolves series, and this was in Memphis. 
chain yourself to a basket girl who literally chained herself to the basket. Yeah. And they had to unchain her from the basket and carry her off the court. Not off the court, but off the, you know, like kind of the sitting area right behind the basket. And then we had last night dress up like a referee girl who got absolutely clobbered by that cop. Cat like instincts. Yeah. If you look at the video, the guy's like, he's sitting like three seats down from her. He knows. And like, as soon as the person next to the uh, the protester gets out her camera, he like looks over and he just like locks eyesight. And the instant that she gets up and makes a move, he is right behind her. Props to him for, for picking that up and, and stopping it before something happened. Although I would have liked to see, because apparently her plan, she dressed up as a referee so that she could like get on the side of the court and then like blow her whistle and like call a technical foul on Glenn Taylor and eject him <laughs> from the game. I've heard that was a plan. I don't know if that was true. I would have loved to see that happen. That would have been funny. I hope someone else does that because that would be funny. Yeah. Um, I will say this though. If they don't have two more protests left in them, they could very easily lose this series because they can't hold on to a lead for shit. Oh yeah, it's it's night and day. Yeah, With protest games <laughs> and non-protest. They don't. If there's no protest, Timberwolves lose. If there is a protest, they win. I mean, it's yeah, it's night and day. I um, think at this point, if you're the Timberwolves, do you consider? If you're Glenn Taylor, do you consider paying people to protest against you? I don't just know so that you win the game. I don't know if the basketball gods, you know, would. Like, that seems artificial. You know, like, I feel like these protesters have to come out naturally. Yeah. And, you know, if they don't, then they may just lose, but that's just how it is. But if they do come out, then it's pretty much a guaranteed win. Oh, yeah. I mean, how big of a Timberwolves fan are you? Are you willing to risk jail time for your team to win? That's that's really the question here. Even if you don't really care about the issue. Yeah. Do you want uh, like I said, that could be artificial. That that the basketball gods may not deem that worthy enough, unless it's a true Glenn Taylor chicken lover. So, um, well, did you explain what happened with this already? No, I haven't. Okay, you want to go ahead and do that. So, Glenn Taylor has he owns a chicken farm, which a chicken farm is where they raise and grow the chickens to get peak maturity, and then they kill them all and sell their meat. You know. That's just how it is. That's that's, that's it's just common, been like that for years. Yeah, that's a common chicken farm. That's a common anything farm, really. You grow it, and then if it's a crop, you know, you you uh, you plow it or not plow it. You harvest it. <laughs> <laughs> Big <laughs> farm guys. Yeah, you harvest it, and then you know if it's if it's cattle, then you kill it, and then you sell it for food. That's common common farming, and. A bunch of his chickens got the bird flu. I don't know how they acquired it, but somehow a bunch of them got the bird flu. And so you can't you can't sell those chickens meat. You can't sell that anymore on the market because it's infected. Well, and you can't let them infect. Exactly. Chickens. And if you let them around, the other chickens are going to spread it, and they're going to kill. They're going to infect even more chickens. So what you have to do is you have to basically just kill all these chickens and just throw away all their meat and everything because it's no good. They're infected chickens. Yeah. Know? It's kind of like how uh, North Korea viewed the coronavirus. Yeah, pretty much. Like if a civilian got the coronavirus, they would just kill them. And then you wouldn't – that way you wouldn't have to worry about it spreading. Yeah, exactly. It's an effective strategy really. But yeah. 
Um, and so basically they just mass killed all these chickens that were infected. And this is what people are up. This is what the protest is for is to basically not kill the infected chickens. Um, and I don't think there's ever been a chicken that has recovered from the bird flu. <laughs> I think once you get to bird flu, you're just a lost cause as a chicken. You have a 0% survival rate. Um, so what they want to do instead is confusing to me. Like, what what do you want to do in that case? I'm not sure. Like, because if you let them just roam around their whatever their cage is or whatever, although some chicken farms literally like, the chicken is like in a confined space that they don't literally move at all. But yeah, it's some of them can be pretty bad. It's pretty and bad. But we don't at the, the end of the day, of if you don't kill those chickens, they're going to endanger the other chickens. Which at the end of the day, those chickens are just going to be slaughtered anyway. But that's not the point. Yeah. But um, at this, it, even you risk in human infection too, because humans can get the bird flu as well. Oh yeah, you and can't it's incredibly deadly. Like the survival rate is is really really bad. Like it's it's not good. Yeah. And so the the humans that are taking care of these chickens and helping them to grow, they have they're at risk of an infection then too. And that's a lot. I'd rather kill a bunch of chickens than kill one human. Yeah, for sure. So. Do what you want, but these protests are kind of funny because they're still dumb. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Like, animal rights are, are big, and, you know, some of these animals are treated really bad. But in this case, I don't think this is something worth protesting. This is actually going to make your image worse. Yeah. Well, and that's why PETA didn't claim these people. Yeah, and I th that's a smart on PETA, I think. Yeah, because and we're not pro PETA, but, no. but that's smart on their part. Because if they want to continue to draw more people into their issues, <laughs> I don't think anyone supports these people that, that are <laughs> protesting. The only people that support them are Timberwolves fans, and it's because you know they're winning games when they go on the court. But as yeah. far as the issue, I don't think anyone. It's just like a small group of people that. I don't know if they're being serious or not. I, I think they are. I think because they're risking too. so much. I yeah, it's sad if they're actually and they're about spending it. so much. I mean, you have no idea. I mean, the amount of money it takes to get that close to the floor, both times, the chain yourself all, all three times, glue girl, chain yourself to the basket girl. I mean, you literally gotta have seats next to the, the one basket. yesterday. The ref girl. She yeah. was the second row back. Second row. Literally the row behind Glenn Taylor himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just been a great series too. Uh Ant Man and Jaw are awesome. I mean, they're literally they're just the future of the NBA. So yeah. 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 Some other series. Uh Nets Celtics. Celtics are up 3-0. They're clapping. I yeah. think this was a series we all expected to be a lot closer. KD is non-existent. This is kind of like LeBron in the 2011 finals. Just doesn't show up. Um, uh, They've all been very good games, though. KD has struggled, like you said, and Kyrie has also been inconsistent. Um, mm -hmm. But he's also dealing with Ramadan, which may have an effect. Is he on still doing that? Yeah. Oh. Unless it's over. I have no idea. I think, I think Ramadan is just a one-day thing. No, it's or at not. least the fasting part is just a one day the thing. The fasting part is like a long time. I don't think so. Yes, I swear. I, I feel like I feel like it's just the first day of Ramadan is when you fast. You fast from you can't eat during from sun up to sundown. 
And uh, but I've never been a Celtics fan in my life, and I've found myself cheering for the sweep of this game or of the series. So, um, also the Suns Pelicans. One big takeaway from Suns Pelicans is just let that fat ass Zion play and stop blowing games. Pelicans. So true. I, I the word on the street is that Zion and his team feel like he's ready to play, but the Pelicans are purposely holding him out. Whether that's for contract manipulation or or health is is up to uh, your thoughts. Yeah, to be but, foreseen, really. But I want to see him play. Um, Brandon Ingram has been awesome. He's doing literally everything he can. Uh, Devin Booker's out. You know, could be he could be out next series too. Um, Chris Paul is kind of just carrying a a larger load uh, to get these guys through the series. But yeah, let that. Let Zion play. Let him play with Brandon Ingram. I know he hasn't played all year, but it it would be awesome. I want to watch Zion. Uh, and that's pretty much it for that series. Uh, Warriors and Nuggets. What is Kyrie Muslim? Yes. He is. That's oh, I didn't know point. that. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, but I thought Warriors. I thought it was a Jewish thing. I didn't realize it was no. a Jesus, Luke. I'm not big on the religion things. <laughs> the Warriors, though, are just beaten up on the MVP, uh, even though Jokic is still having some good games. But Draymond is just kind of giving them fits. Yeah. The Warriors are playing small ball, and it's working. Yeah. Despite having the Nuggets having Jokic, which is, you know, one of the top three big men in the league. Doesn't, I'd, doesn't I'd really matter. Probably one of the top three players in the world. You know, mm-hmm. oh, oh, big dunk there, but uh, yeah, well, it looks also like have Jordan Poole who's tearing it up, yeah, pool party, yeah. I mean, they have their top three with you know, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, and then you also have Andrew Wiggins and then Draymond Green as well, you know, and then some other young guys. You know, Jordan Poole is a fun story, kind of because. I just remember him playing at Michigan and leading them to the Final Four. I believe they lost, but well, that shot he had against them. Houston, yeah, the buzzer beater to win the game. Yeah, he had an awesome miracle run to the Final Four. Um, another series, Sixers Toronto. Sixers are boring, but good, and they've and they've got this one. So congrats, Toronto to the 70s. really really boring. Moving on. Um, uh, also, so Warriors Nuggets is three zero. Uh, Sixers in Toronto is 3-1 right now, but it was 3-0. So um, no team's ever come back in the NBA from 3-0. Mavericks Jazz, uh, that team, it's currently 2-2. This may actually be the most boring game seven of all time if it does end up going to get seven games um, it, because this series is just not exciting. The Jazz That's- are a boring team. I hate them. I want them gone. Yeah, the Mavericks are also a boring team, but Luca's back now, so you know. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I hate the Jazz. I love Quinn Snyder. He's a Mizzou coach, former Mizzou mm-hmm. coach. Um, and I don't really care who wins this. I think I'd rather see Luca play longer in the playoffs now that he's back. But it's also funny, like nobody cares about this series, but it's also the only series that's two to two. Yeah, exactly. It's the only close series right now, so. Sorry. Um, maybe that's what it needs, you know, it to go seven because game seven, nothing, no matter what sport you're talking about, it's the most exciting words in sports. So, yep, true. 
Um, it's also going to be a boring game seven, but he yeah. are up two to, two to one on the Hawks. Suns are also up two to one on the Pelicans. Devin Booker though may be hurt for an extended period of time. That shouldn't matter against the Pelicans. Hopefully, because yeah. they still have a good enough team and coach that they should be able to get past the uh, ten games under five hundred Pelicans. Um, but also the Pelicans are playing well right now. They are, but uh, and again they they lost a game at home that they shouldn't have lost. And that's a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the Bucks Bulls, Chris Middleton got hurt. Doesn't and, matter. Bucks are up 3 1. Yeah. Bucks are still going to win. Giannis is still the best player in the world, in my opinion. And I will say this, though DeMar DeRozan, frozen DeRozan, as Gus Johnson calls him, is frozen. He's, no, he's hot. Oh, yes. He's hot. I have not the watched a minute of that. He was hot. He had 41 points. Um, his mid-range jumper is awesome, and he just like does it through the isolation, ISO, and he'll just pull up, and uh, he's fun to watch. So I'm glad that he's had a great year. Maybe they might be able to get back next year with Lonzo, uh, and maybe they can find somebody in the draft. I don't know, but we'll yeah. see. I think that's that's about it. I've been tweeting. I tweeted out my predictions at the beginning, and I've been updating. You know, I had game one reactions and I changed a few series and then game two and game three. Um, so far, I think I'm doing fairly solid um, <clears throat> for not watching any NBA. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Um, Want to do tough scene of the week? Uh, yeah, I was going to say one thing. I almost brought it up when we were talking about, you know, when we were introducing the NBA. And I was saying how I hadn't, like, really watched any of, the, any of it until now. Um, but I don't remember what I was going to say. So <laughs> I guess yeah. we won't go to that. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest too. I don't watch any. It's very rare that I will turn on an NBA game during the regular season because it's literally, I watch the NFL and college football. Once that ends, I'm into college basketball completely. And then once that ends is when I pretty much get back into the NBA and NBA playoffs. But there, there's like a, there's just too much going on for me to get into the NBA playoffs, especially with us not having a team in St. Louis. Yeah. So, and there's not a team that I just like specifically root for that I'm like ready to watch night in and night out. So yeah. Yeah. Tough scene of the week. Luke's got a couple. Yeah, I got I got a lot I got a lot. So I had a few from last week. Um I have the Yankees announcer whenever John Carlos Stanton hits the hits the ball high and far, um, but not gone. So if you don't know uh, what's his name? John something. But he always he has a call where he goes, It is high, it is far, it is gone. Kind of iconic. It's kind of cool. Um, but Stanton tends to hit a lot of Stantonian shots, and uh, they go high and they go far, but they don't go gone. And uh, you know, I guess maybe this guy—he's getting a little old, it appears, because Stanton hit a high fly ball, but it didn't even reach the warning track, and he declared a home run. And then he's <laughs> going, "Never mind, it is caught," and it's it's pretty funny. But he definitely deserves a tough scene for that. Um, another one I have. Angels intentionally walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded while down while trailing in the game. 
Chestnut checkers, though, because the Angels won. Okay, they were all... That's, That's true. true. Madden Ball. Madden Ball. That's true. You can't argue with that fact. That almost negates the tough seed of the week almost because they won, but... No, it was. Still, what the hell are still, they doing? What does he do? do that because, what? you know, that's like a Bonds thing. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are bringing up the Barry Bonds treatment, but I have – when it happened to Barry Bonds, every single time it happened, the other team was winning by two or more runs. So, like, when they walk in the run, then they're still leading by one. Um, the Angels, I think, are the first team ever to intentionally walk someone with the bases loaded while trailing in the game. And it's not like this guy is like a like a Juan Soto or a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or a Mike Trout, you know, or a Bryce Harper, like a perennial talent like that. It's Corey Seager, who's a good player, but he's not somebody that should be getting that type of treatment. Um, if you saw Mike Trout's reaction to it in the outfield, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, yeah, tough scene. Tough seeing Mike Trout. That's just such an Angels thing to do. But they are actually they have a winning record this year. So thus far, yes, thus far, we know that's going to turn around <laughs> whenever the pitching finally uh, falls off again. Um, okay, I'll give a couple from last week as well, just to kind of catch up. Um, last Wednesday, this literally first thing that happened. I got up and went to eat breakfast, came back into my room, and then crunch. I stepped on my glasses and they broke. <laughs> so that was a horrible way to start the morning. <laughs> horrible. Uh, luckily, I I bought mine from Shady Rays, so they have a lifetime warranty. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? So, a little oh, mini ad here for yeah. Shady Rays. <laughs> All I had to do was send in my uh, request for a new pair and what happened, and it got approved, and you just have to pay for like the shipping. And so like $10 later, I got my new pair in like that. On that uh, that Saturday, I got them. Uh-huh. So pretty fast. And then that Thursday, my tough scene from that Thursday, the very next day, I had my wisdom teeth remo- removed, which was brutal. And I'm just now kind of coming out of this. And that's honestly another big part of the reason why we didn't have a show last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I couldn't eat anything until literally last night. I had chicken for the first time in well over a week. I am down. I was about 185 before I got my wisdom teeth removed, and I weighed myself today at 173. So that's 12 Ooh. pounds. And oh, that makes yeah, sense. eat nothing but applesauce. What what back. did you eat? So I, it's a lot of the same, and that's where it also hurts the soul. I had a lot of potatoes. I ate a lot of. Um, chocolate shakes which was good that was the good part um applesauce yogurts soup i had soup so much i haven't i you can't bring anything to school like with this stuff so i've had to come home every single day and make soup um and that's honestly pretty much it like potato oh i had rice and noodles from china king that stuff I was able to eat. Mm. It's pretty much so basically how you do it is pretty much anything that you don't have to chew. Oh, and yeah. And then you can pretty much do that. Anything you can just pretty much swallow, like gold yeah. down. Yeah. You don't have to chew, really. So, yeah. That was brutal. Also, this was kind of like a week late, but Cam Newton. Tough scene. Criticizing women who can't cook. 
saying be quiet if you can't cook. I didn't hear about thing. that. Um, interestingly enough, this is not his first time being caught up in a situation like this. If you remember, uh, he questioned a reporter on her knowledge of football because she was a girl, even though she was a football reporter. Oh, yeah. That's true. So, yeah. Um, my tough scene is no longer another tough scene. I recovered what I was going to say earlier. Remember when I was saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said I didn't forgot what I was going to say. Well, I was just watching, you know, Warriors Nuggets here and it. The thought reoccurred in my mind. Um, everyone talks about, oh, I'll tune into the game at the end, you know, because basketball is a sport where you can go on a run, so it doesn't really matter what the score is at the end of the first half um, because any team can still win. You saw the other night with Timberwolves and Grizzlies where, you know, Grizzlies mm-hmm. or the Timberwolves were up by like 25 at halftime and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for basketball, I've been tuning in to like the first half of games and it's so much better than the second half. Because they actually play basketball. You know, they're not shooting free throws. They're not looking at calls on the monitor. The flow is so much better. Yeah, it, it the flow is better at the beginning. But I think, you know, the the moments that you remember from NBA games happen at the end of the game. So, yeah, that's true. And that, hasn't, that doesn't, hasn't, hasn't really applied to me because I've honestly just been watching the games like – more start, more start to finish. Um, I will say that uh, watching the games at the end of the game is a great method for first and second rounds of the NCAA. Yes. So, yes, you can that is a game to game. The ends of the games for the NCAA tournament is the best, man. Yep. So, but for NBA basketball, I disagree. They have improved it a lot this year. They've cut down on the replays. I think. They're trying to get – obviously, you know, you're going to have the fouls and stuff at the end of the game that occur, which is fine. You have to expect that. But I think the, they've helped improve the flow a lot, which is going to help viewership. Yeah. So – but, yeah, that's kind of what everyone's – you know, you got to tune in at the end of the game, catch the end. But I think you're missing a large portion of good basketball if you don't – if you miss the first half. So. Yeah. No, that's not – that's not wrong. That's for sure. Um. So, yeah, that I just had to mention that to get it off my mind because I didn't remember what it was. And then uh, another tough scene. You know, you had the Yankees fans. We mentioned that earlier. And then also Oakland A's management and their fans. The Oakland A's hit a attendance of 3,700. And it was so low. Yes. And then the very next day, they followed it up. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the exact number here because this was a last second thought that I had. So, three thousand seven hundred and forty-eight. It's their lowest attendance since nineteen eighty, which is forty-two years ago. And to be honest, I don't really blame them. Yeah, I mean, they suck. They play in a bad stadium. This article says. On Tuesday, in just their second home game of the season, the A's set their lowest attendance mark since 1980, drawing a paltry 3,748 lukewarm bodies to their <laughs> showdown with the lowly Orioles. Oh, you can't blame them that much since it's the no. Orioles, but they're not going to go anyway. So. Not content with those depths, however, the Athletics dug even deeper on Wednesday, breaking the fabled 3,000 fan threshold with an official attendance of 2,703. My fans. God. God, there's more people that'll go to like a Mizzou baseball game. 
And I, yeah. That's insane to think about, man. Like, if you've seen any of the videos coming out, like, it's literally just a few fans sprinkled in here. Because that's the official attendance, but you know not that many fans showed up. Mm-hmm. That's just the amount of tickets, or the amount of fans tickets that bought sold, tickets. Yeah. 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 So. It's a huge stadium, too, so it looks even worse. Oh, yeah, it's a massive state because it used to be a football stadium. It's a football stadium. I mean, that's just what it is, guys. I mean, that's what what its main purpose was all those years. Like, I saw a TikTok of these two dudes that just went to the stadium, and they literally just walked around sitting in, like, super cool, close spots. They got to meet the mascot. You know, yeah, you could probably move wherever you want in the stadium. That'd be kind of a fun thing to go do then. Um, at the same time, yeah, it will. If you're not like a diehard A's fan, because the yeah. the A's, their fans are so done because the A's are the big Moneyball team. Which don't get me wrong, Moneyball is a great movie, but it's not really an effective long term strategy for a franchise. Um, and Billy Dean has done a great job with what he's, you know, he's brought the ace to the playoffs multiple times here with terrible payrolls. But the ownership, I think the fans are just done. You know, the ownership is not only not paying players, but they're threatening to move. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think they're going to move. Yeah, they're threatening to move. Their, the Reds' ownership's doing the same thing. But that has to piss you off if you're a fan. Like, you've put a horrible team on the field, horrible product. You don't re-sign stars. Um, you don't keep, you know... The homegrown players here, you always trade them away. You're always having a payroll, one of the lowest in baseball. We're done. But at the end of the day, who are you pissing off? The fans. What fans? The A's fans. Yeah, but there's not that many. No, there is. They're, the reason they're not going into games is in protest. You don't put, you don't put a product on the field. No, you, have you not seen the A's fans in, in past years? I mean, like when they're, they're actually good. They're going to the games and – that stadium is full. You know, I don't know if you do a full-on protest if you're a true fan. Well, yeah. Because if you're a true fan and you're you're a common game-goer, you still go. It's your team. The players have nothing to do with it. It's not the players' fault. It's the ownership's fault. And what they want to do is they're saying, hey, if you're not going to use our ticket sales – you know, to help grow the team. If you're just going to use it for your personal gain, then what's the point of us even going? Then we're not gonna we're not gonna buy the tickets anymore. If you don't invest it back into the team, yeah, what's the point of even going? And I don't. I I kind of like it. I hope that they win this battle here. I hope that the owner caves in because this has been going on for decades now. This is something you know. This is this only caves in. You know, at the end of the day, though, but caves into what? Because like players, you know, they don't want to go there. It's Oakland. Well, they don't go there because they don't get paid. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, you play in a. When was the last time Oakland A's stadium? You have to live in one of the dangerous, most dangerous cities in the world, unless you just live in San Francisco, which I'm sure a bunch of them decide to do. <laughs> just cross the bridge. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's not a really great destination that might play a factor as well. As long, and especially if they're not offering, like, I feel like the management would have to offer even more money because you're playing in Oakland. Yeah, which is crazy to think about because it's an ocean town. At the end of the day, but at the same time, they've been a good franchise. They have a ton of history. 
and even with the low payroll here, they've been able to make a lot happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, got the best base stealer of all time. Yeah. Ricky Anderson. Exactly. They have so much history. Dennis Eckersley, another big name that was there. Big closer with the long hair and the mustache. Yeah. It's just, it's sad. I, I, I hope they win the battle, but unfortunately, I think what the ownership's going to do is they're going to look at this. They're going to look at these attendance numbers and be like, see, we have no fans. We need to move. And this is where I think it might backfire for Oakland A's <laughs> fans. Is that uh, – Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can definitely see that. further reason to help move to Las Vegas, just like the Raiders did. Sorry, Oakland fans. <laughs> yeah, that does suck. Bad, I mean, at the same, Warriors. Yeah, at the same time, I mean, fans have been sh- – they should have showed out for the Raiders. So, I mean, they would fill that stadium, and that stadium's awesome, so I don't blame them. But, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. All right, I have a couple more tough scenes of the week. This happened just yesterday. I am sunburnt to shit. Um, I fought the sun and lost brutally. And, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go outside unless necessary. I'm literally wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants to cover up from the elements. Um. One I'd better just let them cool off, though. Like, yeah, I, that's what know? I've been doing at my house, like when I'm inside. Um, but also, I had my first real meals last night, so that's a positive. Yeah, true. I'm back, I'm back <laughs> to eat. Cam is back. It's like Jordan. I'm back. Yeah, basically. Um. So yeah, tough scene of the week. Um. You wanna you wanna do a mini segment here, Jay Wright? Yeah. Mini little college basketball segment here. Got a little bit, actually, believe it or not. Jay Wright, the coach of Villanova, legendary coach, won multiple national titles. Um, He retired yeah. just out of the blue, out of nowhere. They said he was stepping down and that uh, Mr. Neptune, yep, for our, the uh, Fordham coach, would be taking his place. And we we're just like, what is going on? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I just don't have the competitive drive that I used to. Uh, I think the main takeaway of this is yet another legendary coach going out the right way. Yeah. Classy. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, it's also important to know. I mean, he, Villanova ruled the 2010s that decade. Yes. And hell, even a little bit here into the 2020s as well. So, yeah, not just a Final Four this year. Yeah. And literally his last year, you know, Final Four, which is kind of, you know, hate Coach K. But at the end of the day, people that were in, New Orleans got to see Coach K's last game on that night and Jay Wright's last game. Yeah, wild. So, but you know, he's going out the right way. He doesn't need a retirement tour. You know, he's just going out peacefully, just yeah. like Roy Williams, the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's also not super duper old. You know, I could see him maybe in a couple of years. He might. He said he I saw answered. in his interview with uh. Not Jay Billis. Uh, shit, I can't remember his name. He's bald and kind of fat. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, bald and kind of fat. College oh, basketball. Oh, guy. that's a guy that's always on ESPN. Yeah, I have no idea what his name is, but yeah, um, I know you're talking. Bald about. fat guy. Kind of just asked him about that, and he said, "You know, 
I'm just so tired right now, but maybe he might regain some of that competitive edge and maybe he won't be so tired after a few years, you know, that he might come back. But I think Villanova was his home though. So I don't know if he'd come back to college basketball. It's interesting. I'm not sure, but he also might just be done. Yeah. He's had a great career. He's had had a a great career. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and it was interesting this year. Like, He's usually a big suit guy, but I swear he didn't wear many suits this year. So I don't know what Laying that was back. about. So yeah, yeah, he, he is a big suit guy, but they also made a rule because used to you had to wear a suit, but this year you didn't have to. So maybe he's just taking advantage of that. I don't know when that rule went into that place. went into effect such a long time ago. He's just one of the last few suit guys. Kind of like yeah. Sean Miller was a big suit guy. Yeah. You know, he sweat through him, but still counts. Yep. So, yeah, just another coach to add to the Big East that's had a lot of coaching change this year. You know, you have Butler, you have Xavier, you have now Villanova. Those are three huge schools. Um, Rhode Island, they're not Big East. They're A-10. I don't know what I'm thinking. Providence is, uh, is Big East. Yes, Providence, but they don't have coaching change. Um, there's got to be more than I'm thinking of, but oh, um, Shaheen Holloway. Oh, Seton Hall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's you know four big schools. Yeah. Um, some other college basketball stuff. UNC retaining oh, their yes, starters. Retaining Leaky Black. Retaining Armando Baycott. Retaining R.J. Davis and. All we need is love. That's what everybody keeps tweeting out. All we need is love. Uh, Caleb Love has until tonight to declare for the NBA draft. Um, now, he doesn't have to like officially declare and sign with an agent. There's a new thing nowadays where you can test the waters and see if you get drafted. But honestly, he would benefit more if he came back, in my opinion. But yeah, I think so, too. Baycott was the one that surprised me, though. I thought yeah. he would be in the NBA. Yeah. I don't think he's got really much more to prove. No, um, he's more just about winning the title, you know, and, you know, his NBA game, there's not much of one because he's can't really he's not a jump shooter at all. In fact, his jump shots kind of funky, except when he's at the free throw line. It's not horrible at the free throw line. But I mean, his NBA game is just going to have to be rebounds. And that's just plain and simple. Um, That's about just about when you talk about when he gets to the next level Um, and they talk to him about it. And he goes, yeah, you know, if NIL wasn't a thing this would have been an even tougher choice so this is a kind of a benefit of nil yes you know guys can come back and make money and not think that they're missing out on everything with the nba in terms of money and this is great for the college game and we saw oscar de is coming back as well probably um, also due to in fact of nil yeah um you know, and I saw Paolo Bancaro, you know, was thinking about coming back. And trust me, I do. But that would have been great for college basketball if Paolo Bancaro came back too. But he's probably going to be a top three pick. So maybe the number one pick. Um, Mizzou, Dennis, Gates. Bringing in the transfers. Roster of just transfers just about. Juco Completely transfers. Team. Yes. Completely new team. Uh, lots of Horizon League guys. Guy from uh, 
Clemson, a guy from the Missouri Valley, and you and I. Yeah. Horizon League, yeah. All kinds of guys. So we'll see if they are able to compete next year. I think they're going to be able to compete. I don't know if they're going to be a tournament team. They might be a bubble team next year, which would be fun. Way more fun than this year. Oh, yeah. um, Hopefully he can actually start recruiting real players, though, and not just – you know, transfers from Horizon League and his former Cleveland State players. Yeah, well, he will. This is his first offseason, so yeah, I'll give him a break here. I'm moving to say a little kiss of goodbye. One thing I do got to say about the UNC, though, is this feels a lot like that one year where they lost to Villanova in the championship and all the players came back, and the next year they won a title. So yeah. really picked to win the title, UNC. Yeah. Um, say hello, kiss of goodbye. Kiss of mm-hmm. goodbye is brought to you by – Nothing. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, my say hello is twins. Twins? Twins. Taylor and Tyler Rogers, two MLB pitchers, played in the same – this was a few weeks ago. This was I had it for last week. Um, played in the same game. They're the first set of twins to play in the same game since the Kensecos in 1990. They're the fifth set to do that in MLB history. So they're both pitchers. One plays for the Dodgers, or not the Dodgers, the Giants, and the other plays for the Padres. used to play for the Twins, ironically, um, but then got traded to the Padres. Um, I don't know which one plays where because they're basically the same person. They both throw sidearm. They both throw nasty stuff. Yeah, one's a starter, one's a reliever, though, right? They're both relievers. Both relievers. One of them's a closer. One of them's kind of just like a reliever. I think Taylor's the one on the Padres and Tyler's on the Giants. Tyler throws right-handed, and he throws underhand. He's got a really nice rising fastball. Uh, but, yeah, really interesting to see that. Just weird stats that pop up in the MLB. Mm-hmm. I know that the, the Deans, Dizzy Dean and Paul Dean, played on the Cardinals. And I bet they pitched in the same game at least once, I would assume. So that's got to be one of the five. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, that's ancient talk. <laughs> that is ancient talk. That's before my grandparents were born. But yeah. Um, my say hello is simply sunscreen weather. I got toasted by the sun, like I mentioned, but it literally just means that anytime you're outside and the sun is up and you're outside for a few hours, you might want to throw some sunscreen on. And you're white. Yes. And I'm super white and I burn super easily, but there's lots of people out there like that. Skin cancer prevention. Yes. Yeah. If you, yeah, exactly. We're not advocates of cancer. So please put sunscreen on to prevent skin cancer and, you know, just your own pain and suffering of a burn. Yeah. I mean, Um, I'm not tougher than the sun as much as I hate to say it. Yeah. True. My kiss at goodbye is the unwritten rules of baseball. This is a boomer thing that is. It's been brought up multiple times here in the last few weeks. Obviously, you had the Padres situation uh, where the Giants guy bunted when they were up by like 10 for a single. Um, <laughs> and the Padres seemed to be mad about that. Um, and Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager, in an interview after the game even said, we're well aware of the unwritten rules. We just don't think they apply here. And I thought that was a very well – I thought that was a very good statement on that. And then just a few nights ago, the Giants yet again – up seven to one 
against the Washington Nationals. Some dude stole second base and then tries to score on a single. And they, they threw him out eventually. But the national shortstop, Alcides Escobar, and really the entire Nationals management got pretty upset about that. Um, which doesn't make any sense because the Giants scored all their runs in one inning. <laughs> and it was seven runs. And in the interview, Gabe Kapler was like, well, why are you mad? about? We scored seven runs in one inning. Why couldn't why couldn't you guys? We got to tack on as many as possible, you know, to secure a win. It's not – baseball is different in the fact where it's played without a clock. Um, and, you know, in football, when you're up by a lot, you run the ball to get the clock out and get the game over with, right? In baseball, you can't do that. You can – an inning can be 30 minutes long. It could be four minutes long. It doesn't – there's no limit on how long it can be. If you're hitting, you just keep hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting, and you score runs. So I think that that's where it's different. If you see a run, you got to take it. You no. know, maybe in a situation where, you know, the Cubs, they're up like 21 nothing, and, you know, you're on first base and you get a double, maybe you stop at third. But – that's like the only situation, you know, a six-run game. That's that's not a blowout in any facet of an MLB game. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I think we need to kiss those goodbye. I agree, full on. I think we'll get to talking about that here in a few minutes with our FAQs. But uh, um, my kiss it goodbye was simply: you don't have to worry about LeBron ever missing the playoffs ever again. You know, uh, if you missed his tweet, he pretty much just said, you know. I love watching these games, but it hurts not being in the playoffs, and you can expect him to be in the playoffs for the rest of his career. So don't have to worry about another playoffs, NBA playoffs, without LeBron. So kiss goodbye, playoffs without LeBron. Very risky considering he did say his last season he wants to play with his son, and his son could get drafted to one of the worst teams ever. Yeah. Like he could get drafted to like – the Orlando Magic, or even worse, like the Detroit Pistons. That would be interesting. I can't wait till that. Franchise. I can't wait till those days come. And they're not that far off, but I can't wait till those days are here. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a lot of talk because it's not gonna be about Bronny. It's gonna be a lot about LeBron. It's gonna be about where LeBron, LeBron goes. Yeah, um, and you know, kind of. That's kind of how it should be. No offense to LeBron. Even you know, he'll be the one getting drafted. But I mean, LeBron is. He's a big piece. So yeah, um, yeah. Also, LeBron news and you know the LeBron KD talk ramping up again because this Celtics team right now, granted they are a little bit better than they were years ago. Yeah, I would say ready to sweep the Nets. Yes, and LeBron beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals pretty much single handedly. Single handedly, they showed the stats from that series, and I remembered them. Once I saw him again, so he did this in 2018, and he had like 235 points in seven games, and they showed everybody else's stats. His next highest score was like Kevin Love with like 78, but apparently Jeff Green was their best, their second best player in that series because he was the only one that was healthy throughout that whole series, and I remember that. I mean, LeBron literally just carried them. He That was 2018 LeBron was a cheat code. I mean, yes. And that is where people are going to bring up LeBron's finals record because in that year they played the Warriors and got swept in the finals. And that Warriors team was Curry, Thompson, Durant, Draymond, all in their primes. Yeah. And that's just a team you can't beat. And so when people bring up finals record and the GOAT debate, that's where I think that 
that performance to bring them to the finals and that <laughs> that that six in his finals lot, you know, I think that's more impressive than any championship ever won in the history of basketball, honestly. Because to bring that team that should have really been a bottom three team in the conference all the way to the finals. I mean, you just incredible. saw what happened as soon as he left. Yeah, they crumbled. Now they're just <laughs> now starting to build back up. Yeah. So four years. I mean, that's just I just remember how bad I mean, I always remember the commercials for that series. Cause on the TV they would show like, you know, the preview for the game and like when it was gonna be, you know, like a typical NBA commercial, and they would have Katie, Steph Curry, and Thompson on one side of the TV. And then you'd have LeBron. <laughs> Tristan Thompson, Thompson and, and like, Kyle Corver. Yeah, Kyle Corver. And that was just unreal. To 38 see year old Kyle Corver. Oh, oh God. I yeah, that was hard. That was a and that was also the J.R. Smith thing. You know, oh, and the, they, they should have won a game yeah, in that Cavs should have won game one, and then who knows? You know, they probably would have lost still, but you know, if you steal game one, who knows? Um yeah. just yeah. just sad. Bring it up. We're going to move in now to our first ever. I, I thought about this this week. I did this. I tweeted this out on the account because I was like, I want to do an FAQs by the listeners. You know, get the listeners involved for the first time ever in the podcast. Um, I have no idea how often we're going to do this. It's not going to be a weekly thing, but it'll be frequently, I guess. So, um, Which one do you want to do? I had starting with Mr. Ian Junkins first, but we've been talking a lot of baseball. So if we want to start with a different one, that's fine. Um, ah, screw it. Let's do it. Yeah, Ian Junkin. Ian Junkin, how to solve baseball's watchability and appealing to younger audiences. Do you want me to just go first? I've got all sure, kinds you, of shit, you, you and uh, you might have all kinds of rebuttals. More dingers, ban the shift. Those are my first two. Don't say anything just yet. And Luke may not like this, but sometimes I think baseball being portrayed as America's game and having to have all these classy connotations all the time surrounding it, like the unwritten rules, has led it to become a slightly more boring. Um, they don't spotlight their stars enough, like the NFL and NBA. And if you're wondering what I mean by that, is like they just don't represent them well at all. Um, their best player is a raccoon in Mike Trout. Um, players who are top draft picks may never even see the MLB diamond, and that's weird to a lot of people. You have top NBA picks, top NFL picks, and you see them right away pretty much most of the time. And with MLB, you don't even know who the top picks are sometimes because you never see them again. And it also just takes forever to get to the show. And by that, I just mean making it to the big leagues from the minors. And that's kind of hard even for me to wrap my head around sometimes for how long it can take guys. You know, for some guys, you know, their rookie year could come when they're 25 or 26 years old. And that's pretty wild. Um, so those are pretty much all complaints. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of solutions because at the end of the day, you know, they're trying to speed it up. And, you know, I think that's a step in the right direction. But I don't know how you solve the fact of the farm system. You know, there's not a whole lot you can do. You know, players have to develop, and it just takes longer in the MLB. And, you know, and that also applies to drafting players because, you know, 
you have to wait for them to develop. And even though it's your top draft pick, you just may not see him for a while. And you kind of forget about him until they get to the show. Unless you're, you know, a true fan and you're, you're doing maybe in the double A and as they make it up to the triple A. But, um, yeah. Um, I've always thought about this for both the NBA, NHL, and uh, MLB, and even the NFL is because the only sports that do this are college sports is having rankings. Now people might post power rankings, you know, like online and whatnot, but also I feel like if teams had rankings like a top 25 poll or a top 10 poll in some of the major leagues, which they don't, it would make games seem more important. If you have like the number two seed in the you know American League playing against the four seed in the American League, just the numbers by their name. It would just make it hmm. a little bit more intriguing if you knew you're it's the one and two team playing tonight because the average fan doesn't always know the records. And I, I think that's one thing that could help make it gain more viewers if you're like because you know they'll try to do it with like MLB tonight, you know, or Sunday night baseball and spotlight certain games. But sometimes that just doesn't always fall under their scheduling for those as well. So I think, you know, maybe if they put the rankings down, maybe that's one way to gain viewership, but that still doesn't affect the watchability. The watchability, I think, you know, you got to work around the unwritten rules, as Luke was talking yep. about, and pretty much just rid of them almost because at a certain point, this is a new generation. This is not 1945, 1946. You know, it's completely different in terms of how we are as a society, actually. And, you know, the difference in society that actually drips into how we play baseball games, believe it or not. So, so. yeah. Well, I think the unwritten rules part, that has to do because a lot of people think it has to do with sportsmanship, which sportsmanship is something that should stay in the game. You know, you need to respect the rule. You need to respect the other team. But. I think some of these things get way out of proportion. And, you know, for example, like when you're up by six runs and you try to score another run, that's, they're not, they're not trying to run up the score. They're trying to secure a win. Yeah. And, you know, that's my opinion on that. You know, if they were, you know, dancing on the other team and, you know, like making fun of them and, you know, doing all that, you bat flipping maybe, you know, when you're up by 10 runs or something like that, that might be, considered you know a lack of sportsmanship but i you know if you bat flip in a one run you know if you hit a home run to take the lead that's a bat flip moment that's not trying to show up the other team that's just a big moment you know it's different when you do it when you're up by 10 runs but when you're trying to score extra runs in a six run game that's got to stop the the complaint over that has to stop because that has nothing to do with sportsmanship whatsoever so um, my thing to solve the watchability, I like what you said, you know, with the rankings and stuff. I think they need to advertise the standings more often, like, hey, this is the team at the top of the AL, they're in set for the one seed, especially with the three seed not getting an automatic buy anymore. The, you know, that third division winner, they really need just need to advertise the standings more. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, you know, I just want to relate it so it's understandable a little bit more. When there's a one and two game for college basketball during the middle of the season, 
we're watching that, you mm-hmm. know, that's just how it is. And, you know, surely I know there's only 30 MLB teams, but that, that game will still hold more weight. If you just have that, those little numbers next to the team's names, yeah. I think, um, I mean, cause we do it with college football and college basketball, you know, I don't understand why we can't do that a little bit at the next level as well. Well, because those sports are based off of, you know, there's multiple conferences and multiple standings. And just because you win your conference doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be competing for a national thing. Whereas in the big leagues, it does, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to be a top. So I think it differs a little bit, but uh, my biggest thing to solve the watchability is the bullpens. Jeff Passant was talking about this on Sunday night baseball uh, last weekend. We'll probably talk about it again this week. If he's on, Um, he's, Big anti bullpen, and I honestly am too because it's so hard to watch whenever the starting pitcher leaves in the middle of the the sixth inning, and you know you you bring in a bullpen guy in the middle of every single inning, and that's why people hate the three batter minimum rule. I don't because I think if you bring in like a new bullpen guy to face one batter based on matchups, like oh we're it's a lefty we're bringing in a lefty. As soon as that guy gets out, time to go to the bullpen again. That kills the watchability. You're not going to sit there and watch commercials, you know, ten minutes worth of commercials for to watch six outs mm-hmm. be recorded. You're not going to do that. And so, in order to do that, you you make the starters go deeper into games. Mound visits have nothing to do with the watchability of the game. I'm I'm sorry, it has nothing to do with it. Limiting that didn't absolutely nothing. How you do it is you you limit the amount of pitchers that teams can have. On their roster. This is a Jeff Passon suggestion once again. I think this will work brilliant because if you have a limited amount of bullpen guys, you can't throw them every day. So you're going to have to force the starters to go longer when they're dealing. You know, if they're having a bad day, then you take them out. But if they're dealing, for example, even Matt's was dealing the other day and they took him out in the middle of the sixth inning. And it wasn't like he started to struggle really or he had a high pitch count. They took him out due to matchups. Mm hmm. Or Kershaw the other day when he had a perfect game going. Well, that had to do with, you know, his pitch count and him, him staying healthy. That was a different reason, I think. But, yes, exactly. You got to keep those guys in the game for as long as they can. I, I understand what you're just saying, you know, about injury and whatnot. But how many perfect games are there? 23. You want eyes on your sport? Maybe spotlight the fact that your guy has a perfect game in the seventh inning. And maybe send him back out there, you know, send him back out there and get all the cameras from all the media outlets, you know, circled in on that game for the last two innings. You know, I mean, you just got to at the end of the day, I don't blame the players for not, you know, it's not their problem that people aren't watching it as much or, you know, the ability to struggle to watch games. Um, They're trying to win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think, you know, people that are in charge of the MLB need to try and fix it. Yes, and analytics I do believe is a good thing because it helps you to see projections and you know better matchups. But at the same time, I think it is kind of killing the game a little bit because if you don't know all these advanced analytics, you're falling behind and you're kind of considered stupid by the MLB community. And I I tend to keep up with them enough. I don't know a lot. You know, I, I know what the stats mean. I don't necessarily know how they get to find those. <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know the baseball savant page that's a really good one i like to look at that 
if you know what that is, then then you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I think you just got to keep a starter in for as long as you can and limit the amount of commercial breaks because you know what the NBA does. Look, we're, we've been watching this basketball game for what ten minutes without a commercial break. That's fun to watch. Um, you know, the NFL they go on commercial break after a punt or something. Um, and I think the MLB going on commercial break between innings, you know, that's something you got to do. You got to have commercials. But whenever you bring in two different bullpen guys in the same inning, that's two extra commercial breaks added to the game. And that, I just think, is going to kill the viewership because you don't want to sit there and watch, you know, one yeah. guy getting out. Yeah, it's hard to watch a game when uh, they use seven. You know, and I get it's strategy, but I don't really give a shit. That's why the other – yes, last night when the Rays had a combined no-hitter, which is like when a bunch of pitchers are – Yeah. That has nothing – that's just the other team sucking at hitting. That's mm-hmm. not impressive. I root against those. Like when when they got broken up in the 10th inning, actually, because the Rays didn't score any runs, so when the extras and they got broken up, I was like, thank God. It's like I can't stand the combined no-hitters. It pisses me off. It, it's <laughs> not fun. It's, it's boring. And – I don't even bat an eye at no hitters anymore, unless it's a full game. If it's a full game no hitter by the same guy, yeah, those are cool. But uh, I mean, those are the combined no hitters are those are fake no hitters. Exactly, I agree. They're fake no hitters. They're 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 not impressive at all. I don't think. I mean, it's kind of impressive, impressive, but but it's it's not not, you know mind boggling, say the least. Um, Yes, I agree with that. So. That is something uh, maybe implementing a pitch clock to help with that. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that because um, that I think that might shorten the game a little too much. Jeff Passan is a big fan of that though. Um, it's been working in the minor leagues. It's shortened games by like an average of what 20 to 30 minutes, which is something that is significant, you know, and the MLB needs to look at. But I think the biggest problem is, is the bullpens and all these pitching changes to face the matchups and stuff. They're not always going to work, but guess what? You leave the starter in, he might not always work either, but he's going to get out. You know, you only get a hit 30% of the time max in the MLB. So that's where I think it maybe that's, that's the biggest problem to me is the bullpens. That's how we solve the, uh, what was it? you make it appealing to younger audiences. You promote your starters more often, push them deeper in the games. And yeah, market the players. Like market the players. I, MLB is starting to do a better job of that this year. I think it, they still got plenty of work to do, but they are tending to do you know a better job. I think they're they're trying their best with Shohei because yes. he's kind of, he's not from the states, and you know it kind of it's more of an imprint on the rest of the world to try mm-hmm. and get people to interested in the MLB more than anything. But um. You know, also he's so different too. Yeah, like he brings both the hitting and pitching aspect, which is something no one has ever done before, really, other than Babe Ruth. But no one remembers that. So yeah, um, um, you know, and like they said, you know, they took away the juiced baseballs too. Yeah, that sucks. Which sucks. And, Cardinals um, have hit one home run over the past seven games. So you know, people love. You know, believe it or not, people love dingers. So, I love if you know more dingers. Um. Bring back the juice yeah. balls. You know, and, baseball was better when they had juice <laughs> balls. Um, you know, and the final part of this question was appealing to younger audiences. And this is the part that's hard for me to figure out a real solution is because, you know, 
if you know, say you watch college baseball at all, which not a lot of people do, but say you get kind of connected to a guy or something like that, and he gets drafted. Like I said, you may not see him for five years in the major in the major leagues, and mm-hmm. it's you know younger audiences attach themselves to younger players. Look at us; we're attaching ourselves to Ja, you know Zion, Anthony Edwards. I'm a Tyler Hero guy. Yeah, yeah, Tyler Hero, young guys. You know, because we've kind of been able to watch them a little bit. Or the MLB or the NFL, you have Justin Herbert. Yeah, exactly. You, have, you know, yeah, um, younger John players. Taylor. Uh, you know, and just stuff like that, you know, you're able to watch them immediately as they get to the league. And you just can't do that with baseball. And that's not very appealing when you can't follow their story. It's hard to watch AAA games. I'm not going to lie. You know, yeah. where but, the hell do you watch AAA games? You, you don't. Exactly. You see highlights. So, but at the same time, there's guys like Bryce Harper, for example, number one overall pick. He glided through the minors. He was in the MLB within less than a year after he got drafted. That was a guy where people just, they're like, he's ready. So there are a few guys that just pretty much skip the minor leagues. Like Mike Trout, too, didn't take very long. But if you remember Mike Lee for the Cardinals, he actually pitched zero innings in the minor leagues before he went to the major leagues. He went straight from the draft to the big leagues, which is something that not a lot of – that's hard. That's very rare in the MLB. Yeah, and that's the problem I think that I'm trying to get across is that it's too rare. Yeah, I – I do think the farm system is good. You know, like the NBA has the G League and stuff. And I think that helps to develop some some good talent. But at the same time, that talent that's right there and ready, the big names in college, you got to get them to the league as soon as possible. No, I so, I agree. Um, I, yeah, we spent a lot. That was a good question. Good question, Ian. Uh, Ron Milheiser, I want to hear the potential solutions to solve the disaster that is the transfer portal exclamation point. Um. Um, I, I'm going to start this off right now. Okay. There are some problems with the transfer portal for sure, but I wouldn't call it a disaster. That's just my opinion, though. But um, This one is kind of tough, tougher than the last one, I think, because it's the wild, wild west right now in the transfer portal, whether you're looking at college football or college basketball. And NIL just made it that much harder. But NIL, I think, does have benefits, like I like we mentioned with Armando Baycott. But it also has some different things going on as well. Like I don't know if you saw, but Oklahoma Sooners, all their players get fifty thousand dollars per year starting this year for just being on the team from the boosters. And um, so here's I, this is all that I was able to come up with. Honestly, I would say that you should only get one transfer. And if you try to transfer a second time, you should have to sit out a year. Um, and, the, and the problem I have with even my own idea there is because on the second transfer is what if you go to a school and the coach leaves the next year? Yes. I Yeah, that was my biggest point too. But maybe that second transfer year, maybe they just don't lose a year of eligibility. Um. But coaches move around so much too, though. It's just, it's kind of, that's kind of the problem as well. And people don't like to hear this, especially the old heads. Um, kids are committing to the coach, not, not, the edu- not the educational programs, not the campus, whatever. 
um, especially with basketball. I would say that football players um, are more – they actually do commit for pieces of history and the yeah. campus more. College basketball, they are completely just committing to the coach. Uh-huh, 100%. I mean, but you look at the college football and – Guys like Lincoln Riley, look how many recruits, whenever he said, guess what? I'm not going to Oklahoma. I'm not staying there. I'm moving to USC. I'm going to coach there. Look how many people transferred to USC with them. And how many recruits decommitted from Oklahoma and went to USC. They're committing to the coach. They're not committing to the school. And if the coaches are allowed to move around like this, why shouldn't the players be? Yeah. I And, and see, that's the part that's hard too. You bring up the money, the NIL money. Well, they're just chasing the money. Well, so are the coaches that are moving. Yeah. You know, people like Shaheen Holloway, for example. That's just the person that's right in my mind. He got a big contract with Seton Hall. Now, granted, that is his alma mater. And I think even if they didn't give him a big track contract, he still would have went there. But he's just a prime example of, guess what? I'm, I'm coaching at a terrible school right now, St. Peter's. Just went on an amazing run. My, I'm getting a huge offer to go to this big East school to go coach. I have to take it. So mm. when a player, you know, goes from a school like St. Peter's and then they go and transfer or just take a look at Kevin O'Banner from Texas tech. He played at oral Roberts in that one uh, tournament run when they went to the sweet 16 a few years ago, he got an offer to go play at Texas tech and he transferred immediately. Why wouldn't you take that? Yeah. You know, you, this is your opportunity why should you be forced to stay at an Oral Roberts school whenever you've been noticed and you have this opportunity? That, to me, I, I don't get why people don't love that. I love that. When a player like that gets to showcase his ability on a national stage and then he gets to go to you know his dream school in Texas Tech. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I do think that you know some of these transfers are getting out of hand where like a guy transfers literally every single year and like plays for four or five different schools. That's yeah. a little wild, but as far as the transfer, I guess that's something that you could clean up. But yeah, I, I would not call that the yeah. transfer portal a disaster at all right now. I think it's actually in one of its prime states. I think this is one of the better, one of the best that the transfer portal has been. Um, I think when guys transfer that often, I don't know why the NCAA approves it every single time. Like it's, I swear the only times they approve it is like a situation that they actually should approve it. Like, and then a story will come out. Uh, but this, I also had this, if they really want to cut down on transfers, they need to just make it a one year sit out deal. No questions asked because then people wouldn't move around as much because they are mostly moving for playing time. Well, yeah. that's what it used to be until a few years ago. Yes. You used to have to sit out. And that's why I like your idea of you get one normal transfer. And then if you want to transfer again, you have to go back to the old rule of you have to wait a year. I like that because that will prevent, you know, because not everyone, you go to a school for one year and maybe it's different than what you thought it would be. You don't want to be there anymore. So, or maybe, you know, the coach is different than what he appeared or something like that goes different. And you just, it's not your, your thing. And you, sometimes you, you have to transfer. You don't like being uncomfortable. And I think forcing people to be in that situation is, is bad for the game, you know, it creates toxic environments and stuff like that. <clears throat> you know, just look what's happening in pro sports right now. When players don't want to be there, they request a trade. Yeah. So also I, that's another problem with it is these college players are seeing the pro players do it. And they're like, well, why can't I do that? Why, you know, why should I be forced to stay in one spot? So 
I think the pro players got to step up a little bit and, you know, commit to a contract. I hate to say that, but, you know, there are reasons that you you want to leave and request a trade. For example, in the situation of Debo Samuel, you know, if he's saying, I don't want to be in this role of a wide receiver and running back if you're not going to pay me to play both of them. Mm-hmm. He's I little- think that's – and they're forcing him to still do it. That's a that's – a, Real reason to trade, you know, to uh, request the trade, but you know, for playing time is another reason in the the college sports that you transfer as well. So, yeah, um, you know, the great Carl Reed, uh, the coach, St. Louis football high school coaching, uh, kind of a legend. Uh, he's a recruiting analyst now, but for twenty four seven, you know, he was talking about, you know, coaches are afraid to recruit some of these guys nowadays because if they're not going to be number one or two on the depth chart, as soon as they get into town, they're out the door within a year. And that is too true. Guys in college are not here to stay and develop. That is a thing of the past. And that's the thing that I don't like, honestly. Um, Some people are, and there's lots and lots of people. And I think, you know, including some guys, I think like Jay Billis that are like, you know, if a guy wants to move to play and better his himself for his career, then he should be allowed to do that. But how many times should he be allowed to do that? You know, exactly. Like sometimes it's just on you. I mean, when you transfer four or five times and that in the environment is not what you thought it would be four or five times, that's your fault. You know, if it's one or once or twice, yeah, that could. And then you finally find the. Oh, you know, you do it one or two times and then, you know, and then you finally find, find your home, then boom, that's, you know, that's, that's a good solution. But yeah, you know, when you're transferring all this time, then, but potential solutions or um, what is it? Potential solutions to solve the disaster. Like I said, I wouldn't call it a disaster, um, but I do think it needs to be cleaned up a little bit and there are ways, you know, to do that. But in my opinion, it, I think the transfer portal is in a good spot. It's added another piece um, to the puzzle that is recruiting because the transfer portal is becoming a big part of getting recruits, you know? Yeah. Just look at Dennis. Yes, exactly. He's, he's tearing up the transfer portal, but um, I think like Cam said, the best solution would be you get one transfer um, normal where you don't have to sit out at all. And then after that, if you want to transfer, you got to sit out a year. Um, to get your, you know, your be able to transfer. The only exception to this I would be is if the coach leaves. Like if you have a coaching change, then I don't think this rule should apply. Like if if a new coach comes in and he has a completely different coaching style, but you've already transferred once, I think you should be allowed to, you know, transfer without problems then too. I so if you transfer your second time for a coach and then they leave, I still think you should have to sit out that year. Well, so like break it down. So let's say you start out at Texas, right? Yep. You don't get playing time, so you you uh, you switch schools, and now you're at Florida. Yep. Using um, your one. You like it there. You your like one there. free transfer. Yes, and then you like it there. You, uh, you, you spend one or two years there, but then the Florida coach leaves and goes and takes a job at Ohio State. Um, and a new coach comes into Florida, 
and you don't like the way he coaches and you're like, I want to enter the transfer portal again because he's completely different. I, you know, I want to go beat Ohio state with the old coach. I think you should be allowed to play on that third year. Yeah. I don't know. I almost think that they, you should maybe not lose the eligibility, but I almost think you should just have to sit again because that would, that would solve some of the transferring issues with too many transfers. Cause that was kind of the, you know, the question, like, how should we cut down on it a little bit? Well, how are you going to do the same thing for coaches? You get one coaching change, but if you want to, you know, go to another school after that for a second time, you got to sit out a year before you can do it. I think, I think you got to make it even almost. I don't know if you can though, because, you know, some guys are getting, you know, they're getting paid way more, you know, this is their job. At the end of the day, you know, you still have guys on teams that well, these college athletes just their job too. They're getting usually they're getting scholarship money to play these sports, and if they don't play the sport, then guess what? That scholarship money that they're getting is no longer available, and they now got to pay for their college. So it's yeah, it's it's different, but at the same time, it's kind of similar. You know, the the payment method is just coming in a different shape and form. Yeah, but I, yeah, for example, like the Oklahoma getting fifty thousand dollars each player. I think that's terrible for the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. That's not name, image, and likeness. That's literally just paying a player to come to your school. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I think you got to draw a line there if you're the NCAA. But because I think you, sh- the NIL is good. You should be able to make money off your likeness. Yeah, you know, but you know, a jersey or something like that. But. And maybe that's like what it is. Salary, you know, maybe good. every single player can have their jersey bought, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe you'll see billboards around Norman with all different kinds of players. Um, but maybe we'll see, though. We'll see. Like we said, this one's kind of difficult because, you know, some people don't like Luke doesn't think it's a disaster. I think it's it's the wild, wild west. That's what you think I'm it's a problem, a potential disaster is what you're saying. I think it could be. I don't know what it's going to lead to, honestly. Yeah, that's another problem with this is it's a fairly new issue, too. Yeah, and we don't know how to solve them. Otherwise, you know, we'd probably get paid money to solve it. Yeah. (laughs) All right, another question. Uh, This one is very simple, kind of. How do you get so steezy? Okay, well, what the hell does steezy mean? I don't know. I can look it up. Are we steezy? I, I don't know. I, I like this to say from, we are, but I don't know what it means. This is from Johnny or at like I'm John Wall. How do you get so steezy? Question mark. What does steezy mean? Effort, effortlessly stylish or elegant? <laughs> How do you get so steezy? I don't know. I wouldn't consider myself steezy. I just wake up. Yeah. Uh, what does slang word steezy mean? <laughs> Exhibiting style with ease. What's it say on Urban Dictionary? Uh, I think it might be blocked. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I would just say we just wake up as uh, describing someone's style, especially when having to, especially when having to do with snowboarding, meaning smooth, stylish, clean, and cool. I mean, I'd like to think that the podcast is steezy, but it's probably not. It's so. really not. How do you how do you get steezy? That's one of those words that's just like 
That's definitely a 2020. Oh yeah. Two new word kind of thing. Steezy. Um, who who would what would be an example of steezy like someone who is steezy? Uh Tom Brady. Okay. Yeah, I would say that. Uh Cam Newton. He's stylish. Maybe with style, but yeah, his maybe. play on the field. It kind of I don't know. I feel like they kind of have to it's coincide smooth. together. I'm not sure. It's like smooth, clean, and cool. So like what's like smooth? Steph Curry? He's pretty smooth with his shot. Would he be steezy? He's kind of stylish. I would say uh kind of cool. Uh man. You don't have a quick power rankings here? Steezy? Uh, what are the top three steeziest things? Things? Things slash people. Stop. Top three things. Uh, steezy power rankings. Steezy All right, power go. rankings. There we go. You go first. Are we doing like a draft here? Okay. All right. I get the first pick. You can do snake draft if you want. Okay. <sighs> wow. This is uh, put on the spot here. Stylish. Smooth. I'd like to say uh, a sports car. Okay, I'm still gonna go with Tom Brady. It's my first pick. Okay, um, you got the next pick. Snake. Oh pass. shit! Yeah. Uh, I'd say I say a sports car because like it. Whenever you drive it, it just it's so low to the ground and it's fast and it's. You know, you're just flying. I and it a lot of times it can be stylish too. So I would say, you know, uh, anybody who can rock a suit, oh, suit wearing. So what about like in Dumb and Dumber, like where they rock like the the blue and orange suits? Are you saying that they like look good? Would they be steezy? That's I don't I think I would. I would say maybe you know like. Sure. Like a Zion Williamson on draft, li- draft okay. night? Yeah, those people. Yeah. Um, Jay Wright. Steezy. Okay. Okay. You know, people that can actually pull it off. That they clean up nice. Yes. Okay. Um, That's a good one. I'm going to have to say Steph Curry, just because his art of shooting is very smooth, very clean. You know, I think, what was it? He makes 100 straight three-point shots during practice. Or maybe, what was it? He made 99 out of 100. That's I think they would be classified as steezy. Oh, my last pick. Let's see here. What what else would be steezy? It's a tough one. It's it's really tough because we just figured out the definition. <laughs> so I would say winning a championship. No, no, no that's not smooth. Yeah, that's not. That can be rocky. Times, yeah, exactly. Um. Maybe just going to a beach. Um, my a beach is steezy. My third pick is Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you <laughs> lost that so easily. He's right on your screen. So Tom Brady. Well, he's sitting on a beach, so we kind of compromised. Yeah, that. I know. But Tom Brady, uh, people who can rock a suit and Snoop Dogg. I have a sports car, Steph Curry, and and just the feeling of being on a beach. Yeah. Steezy. Uh, sports car was that was a good pick. I'm not gonna lie, because I can I just instantly vision really nice sports cars and really smooth, really clean, really stylish. Yeah, I don't um, know how I came up with that. It just kind of popped in my brain. So, okay. Um, um, next one from Samuel 
Lee Rost. How do you bring a peaceful and long-term solution in Ukraine that will make both sides happy? First off, I want to say that we don't really want to make both sides happy because Russia invaded. But that's not the question. We, so the question is, what is a peaceful long-term solution that will make both sides happy? So first off, we want to say we disavow the, the war. We, we disavow Putin. But, yeah. Uh, what would be – so maybe what you could do is maybe the sides compromise because what Russia wants is the land of Ukraine. So maybe Ukraine's like, hey, you guys can operate in our land, but we get to keep our freedom. You know, we don't get to say we're a part of Russia. Maybe we ally with each other, you know. So like, like if, if Russia, if Russia gets in a war, then Ukraine kind of has to go. So like what? They can just set up shop and – Ukraine, kind of in those areas that they want to set up shop in, set but they like, don't rule it. Yeah, set up like Russian businesses, you know, to help the economy grow, maybe. Um, yeah, but mm. and they they keep peace. I think that's another thing. Um, mine, I struggled on the peace part because my first one I put, um, just kill Putin and go from there. <laughs> Honestly, that might that might work Cause, cause because like a lot, oh, there's a lot of Russian people who are like uh this is wrong because they're not as blind to the fact of what their government's doing to them yeah so and i think you like, kill putin to go and some of his oligarchs that like some of his best friend oligarchs you kill them so that they can't just immediately take and then over. boom instantly everyone gets along everyone's happy yeah. i also put maybe just have Zelen uh president Zelensky and putin have a duel winner gets what they want no questions asked the other dies. <laughs> okay. A fight to the death. Yes. Um, I think kind of, yeah, probably a fight to the death. Wait, say that again. I, <laughs> I missed the first part. I need, I need to know this. Zelensky and Putin have a duel. Winner gets what they want, like what their country wants. The other dies. No questions asked. So if Putin beats Zelensky in this duel, then Putin just basically gets to take Ukraine. He gets to take the part of Ukraine that I don't know that would make for. both sides happy, though. Yeah, yeah, but you have to agree to the duel. So if okay. Zelensky thinks he can win, he's got to it's nut one up one. Is there any it's weapons? Are there any weapons no. in this duel? Just, just hands. It's hand to hand. Are they naked? Do they get to use clothing? Let's go naked. Naked fight is just televised nationally. Okay, what are the boundaries? Like, are they in like a wrestling ring or are they just like in a room? Uh, an octagon room. Okay, uh, octagon. Red lighting. Okay. And cameras throughout the walls to get every angle. Okay. Yeah. Fight to the death. Yes. Um, okay, I think that, that might work. That might, I mean, that one that brings viewership to the country. So yeah. all that money would go filed right back into yeah, the Russian you know, and Ukraine economies. That and, you know, you know, if Ukraine wins, you know, they can just shuttle or, you know, push it into rebuilding their cities. And, um, you know, if Russia wins, you know, they can just take that money, you know, take over the part of Ukraine that they want and take the rest of the money and, you know, put it towards whatever. And maybe they won't be so greedy for everything. Well, also, I think if you just settle it that way, it also saves a lot of lives because, yeah, one of Putin or Zelensky, they're going to die. But at the same time, it's just one. It's not a war. It, it's just a one v one. Well, it will be a war. 
1v1. Well, yeah, but like you're not going to have thousands of casualties. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that could happen. So that that's probably my top solution. Um honestly think- though, there are probably no true winners here because the best case scenario would be if just Russia left Ukraine and then fixes their government by getting rid of Putin and then Ukraine rebuilding its nation. That's what needs to happen in real life. I think the best solution would just, just be kill Putin. What if we just delete both countries from existence? Like nuke? Sure. Well, that would kill on innocent people, though. That would I don't kill. Know if we yeah, to do that. I don't know. It would solve the problem, but I don't know if we want to do that. It would solve the problem of us having to see it on the news, and that's it. True. But then we would be the target. It wouldn't make both sides happy. We need both sides to be happier. Yeah. I, I, so final answer, honestly, is the Zelensky Putin duel because they yeah. both have to agree to it and it's a fair fight. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I would, I think my money would be on Putin. Yeah. He was a K- KGB guy. We but, also have you ever seen like the pictures of him like riding the horses shirtless? Yeah, I feel like he just works out like in the woods, like with grizzly bears. Like he just goes out once a day. You know, he doesn't have a gym membership. His gym is the woods. And yeah, kind of like kind of like he, Rocky in Rocky Four. If you've yeah. ever seen that, except yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Except Putin does it no clothes, just by himself. He just has his bodyguards off in the distance. Um, and him and the grizzly bears are just sitting there bench pressing, probably like 400 pounds, if I had to guess. Yep, much um, like the North Dakota State uh, workout regiment. Yep, exactly like that. Um, they probably, you know, climb trees. They probably uh, chop wood. I would assume. I, I don't know what Zelensky. I don't think Zelensky can top that. Yeah, I mean, I know Zelensky's been on the front lines and stuff. Yeah. but the guy's a comedian. I mean, let's be real here. You know, Putin could be a warrior. He was in the KJB. KGB. Yeah. They both so. got their pros and cons, but I think I, I, I think, think this is, would be a favorite in that one. Yeah, I probably would be, but I think you know, like we said, you know, loser dies, no questions asked. Yep. So, and you got to. I know the. I think the hard part would be getting them to agree to it, but you know, maybe leave it up to the country for a vote. Both countries hold an election to see, you know, if you want them to go in. Now, the problem with that is Russia rigs every election. True. Maybe maybe problem. we have the United – no, not the United States. They kind of have election problems right now. Maybe we just have, like, a country like uh, Argentina regulate this. No, country. they help the Nazis. We can't okay. do that. What about Brazil? What uh, about Switzerland? No, let's have Switzerland do it. Switzerland and Finland. Yeah, let's have those two countries combine and run this election. I yeah, that, I think that could work. Yeah. Um, most neutral countries. Yeah, and then if not, just kill Putin. That's yep. That's our uh, that's our plan B. <laughs> so All yeah. right, great great questions, everyone. Shout out to everyone who responded to that. We will have those in the future, so keep an eye out. Um, we were able to get all the questions in this time, but uh, yeah, you know, I I'm gonna add my own question. Let's pretend someone asked this. When are you guys gonna have a guest on the show? Maybe soon. We've been in contact with uh, with a guest that everyone I think will enjoy. Kind of a legend of the show. Um, nothing is set in stone yet, so it won't happen, and it won't happen next week either because 
you know, obviously the NFL draft is coming up. So yeah. we'll have a big draft recap episode. Um, you know, it's this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, but maybe the week after, I think, is kind of the plan. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully everything goes right. And yeah. uh Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a question asked by me. Yeah. And answered by me as well. Nice. Um, um I think the reason we didn't really talk about the NFL today, and we're not going to really uh not a whole lot going on besides the Debo Samuel sweepstakes. We don't there's nothing we can much we can really say about that except, you know, uh he doesn't want to be uh wide back anymore. He just kinda wants to wants play to receiver. Yeah, and he wants to be a receiver and get paid a lot of money. And uh yeah, I guess for some reason he doesn't want to play in the beautiful city of San Francisco. So Yeah. Well, he's literally a Packer, so but the draft is coming up, so a lot of moves. Maybe Baker Mayfield gets moved, maybe Debo Samuel. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, a lot of these guys that have been in the news, you might see some draft night trades. Yeah. Um, I think the Steelers are going to make a trade because it's you don't wide know. open. Yeah. Like last year, it was Trevor Lawrence is going one, Zach Wilson's going two. And at three, it was either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. That was a little bit of a toss up. And then at four, was you know, you pretty much knew before. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no clear cut number one prospect. Aiden Hutchison will go one or two. I think that's the only thing that's set in stone. If he doesn't go to the Jaguars, the Lions are going to draft him. Yeah. I actually, uh, I forgot to mention this. Ron Milheiser has a set in stone. Aiden Hutchinson is the number one pick. Really? Yeah. Via Ron, Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. is the number one pick. And he also said, I disagree. I think it's Trayvon Walker. He also says, that Aiden Hutchinson is also going to have probably the best career out of anybody in this draft class. Ooh, as a Jaguar? Thinks he's going to be better than both the Bosa twins, or brothers, as well. Wow, I don't know if you can, I don't know if that's possible when you play in Jacksonville, but that's the Ron take. Okay, I disagree. I think Hutchinson's going two to the Lions, hometown. I think Trayvon Walker will be the first pick in the draft, either him or Evan Neal. Will be taken first overall, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun draft night and uh, yeah, fun week of be um, really fun for like me and Luke. Uh, Steelers really need a quarterback. Personally, I think they're thinking about trading up to get Willis. I'm not sure if it'll ooh, happen or not. Be fun. Um, Luke's hoping for a receiver. I'm hoping that we trade our picks for DK Metcalf. Both of them for DK. Sure, I'd do it. In a heartbeat. If you had two first-round picks for DK Metcalf right now, I'd do it. Maybe. Now, if it was Tyler Lockett, then not a chance I would trade both of them for Tyler Lockett. Maybe I'd think about one, but no way I'd give up both of them for Tyler Lockett. So, um, I you know, I think the Packers could look into drafting Christian Watson, if you know who that is, the North Dakota State receiver. I, I think I'm more of just a – Set in stone, Jamison Williams, uh, you know, uh, uh, Traylon Burks, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Chris Olave, some guys who have, you know, are top of the charts. Yeah. My uh, stepbrother, Tate, he told me that Christian Watson was in talk with the Packers. Ooh, second so, round. I can find the second round pick. Um, I don't so, know yeah. if I want to use a first round pick on him. but And uh, Tate also met Trey Lance, and I asked him if he was ready for life without Debo. Oh, we met Trey him. Lance recently? Yeah, he met him yesterday. And I oh, told, really? I asked him, I go, did you ask him if how he's going to be without Debo? 
without Debo running around, and he said he didn't ask that. So it's kind of risky. You're you're kind of leaking your source here. You could have used this as a powerful option, like, hey, my sources are telling me. <laughs> Just go full journalism mode. Yeah. We're no, we're not true journalists. <laughs> no. So, but yeah, yeah that so, is yeah, interesting. That's, so, that's our show. Interesting insight there from North Dakota State Camp, but. Yeah, that's our show. Long show today, but makes up for last week, kind yeah. of. You know, glad Cam to be back. Cam man. was not. <laughs> he texted me Monday morning because you know we were going to take a break for Easter and just do it on Monday. And he's like, "There's, I can barely talk right now, and there's mm-hmm. no way I can do a podcast." So we're just like, you know what? Let's just. I wasn't really in the mood to do it either, so postponed it a week. But we're back, and we should be back to the weekly schedule now. So yep. Yeah. Um, we'll continue to stay in contact on Twitter. There's going to be more stuff like FAQs in the future. So, yeah. And just, show information in general. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening this week. Yeah. You hope you guys have a great week.